Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Having a miserable week? Well, hang in there, because we are back from our long hiatus with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and, and, uh, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and knuckle-cracking enthusiast, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how are you doing on this beautiful morning? I am doing great, Zach. You know, we went into the iceberg. We weren't there for quite a hundred years, but we were gone a while. But we are back. We uh, we're out in summers, and now I'm sure the weather talk will be better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're back. I'm so excited to be back with you here today, Zach. Yeah, I'm excited to be back here too. I mean, it's been a minute. Of, uh, we haven't even talked for such a long time. It's like weird seeing your face once again, to be <laughs> honest. It's like, it's just an interesting time and I'm ready to just dig right into this episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back. It's been, uh, it's been busy on my end, but you mm-hmm. know, uh, things are like getting back to normal. Is the, is that a thing? Like that's exciting. Yeah, you're um, fully vaccinated, correct? Yeah, so that's that's like super exciting. Um, how is the vaccine stuff over where you are? Yeah, I'm still not vaccinated yet. It's depressing. I've registered, but uh, my age group is eligible for like late June, early July. So it's going to be a while mm-hmm. before I'm vaccinated. And Canada just shipped in like the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that's been banned in so many countries. But lucky us, that's one of the vaccines we have an option to get. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you can get that soon. You know, it, it helps a little bit that, uh, people don't really want to get the vaccine here. So if you want to, it was easy to, for me to get it. So that was, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. See, it's the opposite of Canada. Everybody wants it and we don't have the resources to get it, sadly. See, I'd rather be there, but hey, that's just me. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we are here to talk about bitter work. Uh, you know, an episode that I remember. And every time that I think back on it, I'm like, yeah, that's a fine episode. Really? You're not that high to it. I guess not. I, I, I like this episode. I think it's a one of the, it's not one of the better episodes in season two, but like if bitter work was a season one episode, then I feel like we'd be higher on it. And also it's got Toph. Like I'm just happy to see Toph on my screen. We still, we haven't podcasted that much about Toph just yet. Cause I missed a couple of podcasts with Toph. So I'm excited to dig into it. I mean, it's all about teaching and coaching. So I have a question for you, Jacob. Have you ever like taught your friends or coached your friends in any <laughs> aspect? Well, I've actually become uh, a bit of a teacher at work. Um, I've mm-hmm. had, there's some new people joining, um, like the desk that I work on. And so, yeah, like there are some people that I'm asked to coach. And I got to say, I think I'm closer to Toph than Katara. Um, <laughs> it's not great. I'm, I'm not really good when people are like struggling. I'm, I'm kind of just like, all right, let's move on. Let's figure it out and let's get over this. But yeah. Uh, what about you, Zach? Are you a good coach? 
Uh, I used to coach basketball back in the day. I think with my friend, my my, I taught a friend and my brother how to get really good at 2K, the the video game that I always talk about. So then, yeah, that's that's all I do. NBA 2K. That's why I'm a good. If anybody wants to get good at that video game, hit me up and I can give you some pointers. Yeah, I could definitely use that. I'd say I'm very mediocre. I'd say, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm probably about exactly average at that game. What I do is I'll play people. So it's like if I think playing me is naturally you'll improve. That's why. Cause I'll go easy a little bit. And then once I start, I'm more, I'm more of a tough when I play 2K, but I think it's like you need the pressure to create the diamonds. And I think tough utilizes that pressure Ooh. to create a diamond with Ang's earthbending here. I like it. I like the, uh, pressure and diamond. Nice. I, I hopefully you can turn my like, uh, you know, crappy piece of coal into a shiny diamond in 2K. <laughs> Do you have it on uh, PS4? I'm just curious. Uh, or I do PC? have two. I have 2K20 on PS4. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, one of these days, maybe we can fire it up. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think you'd you'd realize how average I am. But hey. No. No. But I can help. I, I mean, what I did with my little brother, and I won't get too into it, but I would play him with the worst team, and then mm-hmm. once he was able to beat me there, then then we'd keep going, keep going, and then he was able to like beat me. He got so good. He's as good as me, if not better now. So nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well. There you go. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we see that Toph is as good of a teacher as you are. And oh, Aang, shucks. Aang's <laughs> able to pick it up. Um, I do really like the start of this episode, though. This has, like, such big first day of school energy. Like, Aang is just so stoked to start learning earthbending. He's like a little kid that's starting a new grade. I remember, like, starting second grade, I was going to a new school um, and I was so excited. I like put on my uniform, I got my backpack on and I was just like waiting by the front door for my mom to be like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Aang is so jubilant and happy in this yeah. opening scene, but Sokka is not. He like, instantly <laughs> wakes up Sokka and Sokka starts grumbling. And to be honest, that's me when I get woken up. I'm like Sokka. I hate being like disturbed in my sleep, to be honest. So. Yeah, you know, that's fair. I don't like getting disturbed in my sleep. Thankfully, I'm a very heavy sleeper. Uh, I very rarely wake up whenever I'm like trying to sleep. So that's very nice. But yeah, I think I'm I'm more of a a sock when I'm sleeping. But uh, I'm definitely not a Toph. You know, Toph here walks in, makes a big entrance. She explodes the tent that she's made, um, which is quite a pretty bad. Pretty yeah. badass, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then whenever Sake gets upset, Toph just blasts him right in the air. Sends like an earth column. And, and she sends... Oh, to, oh, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but she sends him like 20 feet in the air. That's what I, all I want to say. She just sends him 20... She launches him, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to say is that uh, like she's sending him so high up in the air that it's like, all right, like, is he going to land safely? Like, is this okay? Uh, but oh, I, think, yeah. I think he's all right, you know. He'll get worse. He'll get uh, worse off later, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, I love when Sokka wakes up. He's just like yelling gibber. She's like, you don't let Sokka sleep. He's just like yelling absolute gibberish while still half asleep and like hopping around in his sleeping bag. Nah, this was a great opening scene to start the episode. Yeah, that's true. And then Aang here is so excited to learn. He's trying to learn all the advanced moves. And this is exactly like me when I was trying to learn chess, uh, like midway through the pandemic. I was like, all right, like teach me all the like fancy stuff. Like I just want to know exactly like the best move, like the, the really clever things. And that's not how it works. You got to learn the basics. And that's what Aang's going to sadly have to find out. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. 
You're absolutely right. And then Aang is like, yeah, he's so overly enthusiastic. And yeah, he just wants to learn these advanced techniques right away. And then Toph tells Aang he has to be like a rock like himself. Like he has to be like a rock. Yeah. And then, are, are you rock-like? Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm sturdy with my mentality. That's, what, that's okay. what I think. So I'm like pretty steadfast with the way I think and stuff. That's why I say I'm an earthbender. Like I want, like the element I would want to be is air because I want to be able to fly. That'd be a lot of fun. But then yeah. the element that I am is an earthbender. Like if I took one of those tests, I know I'd get earthbender 100%. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I, I'm just so not rock-like that it is just such a foreign concept to me, but hey. Interesting. Uh, and then and then we get the classic line because then <laughs> Aang tries just shooting a simple rock and he's unable to do it. He pushes himself back. And then we hear Sokka yell, rock beats airbender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like a, a very weird version of rock, paper, scissors where it's uh, rock, paper, airbender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's one of your better jokes, to be honest. <laughs> Rock, paper, air, but I don't know why that cracked me up. Thanks, Zach. You know, uh, I'm a bit rusty, you know, not getting into the podcasting as much, but I'm glad to know that I'm, I'm shaking it off a bit, making these good jokes. Well, you got your podcast with Felipe. That's pretty good. The Brazilian Dragon Podcast. Yes. You guys do a decent job there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty fun there. We'll have to get you on a Scooby episode one time, Zach. Sure, if Scooby ever comes in with Shaq, maybe hit me up. <laughs> Just right. Shaq saving the day. Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath that, uh, <laughs> that we're going to have a Shaq-Fu-Scooby-Doo uh, mashup, but hey. Well, when they uh, had the Scooby-Doo with the WWE superstars, if you want to do true. that movie, I'd be down to cover that, because I do All enjoy right. that. It's pretty hilarious. I've actually watched that not that long ago, so... All right, perfect. Uh, here we are, you know, uh, booking guests on other podcasts. Oh, there we go. Look at that. And then um, we'll move back to the Avatar here because we get this somber dream sequence of a younger Iroh playing with his son, who we know is deceased, named Lu Ten. They're playing together, and it's a, it's kind of weird seeing Iroh with dark hair. I don't know. That was kind of off-putting. What yeah, did you think I agree. of this? So, like, Iroh's, like, a bit more in shape. Like, he's definitely younger, but I think he looks a lot worse. Uh, and maybe it's just because I'm not used to it, but I really do like the old, like, uh, you know, portly chap, as you like to call him, Iroh. <laughs> yeah, shout out Tyson for Survivor for saying portly chap, because it's the funniest phrase, and I just booked it for this podcast because I've used it a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's uh, become a Zach, a Zach favorite uh, in the past. No, it's past definitely years. one of the my Zach-isms for sure. And exactly. Then, Oh, exactly. Look at that. <laughs> and then we see Iroh, he's near an altar or a shrine in the rain saying, soon he'll see Luten again. It's pretty sad all, all, all around, honestly. Yeah, this is sad. And I think that it gets even worse, uh, like in the next few episodes, especially like Tales from Bossing Say. Like that's one of the episodes that really hits because they've like built up this moment of like Iroh as the caring father. Yeah, 100%. Because Iroh really, like, he stopped the siege on Bossing Say once his son died. Like, Iroh yeah. could have conquered Bossing Say and become the Fire Lord even, but his son dying was so crushing to his soul that he couldn't continue with the siege. And that's pretty committed. Um, you know, yeah, that, that's a good family value right there. You know, stop an entire siege of a city just because uh, you lost a family member. Yeah, he really loves his son. Yeah. So we'll, we'll continue here. So then he wakes up and he, Zuko explains to him that Azula launched a surprise attack and Iroh has a hilarious line that he's like, oh, somehow that's not so surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which exactly. I thought was pretty funny. 
Yeah, no, and that's totally true. Like, it's not very surprising that Azula is going to be attacking. And here, like, uh, Zuko's like, yeah, like, I know you don't want to, like, teach me to fight my sister. Like, I know you're going to say that we should try to get along. And Iroh's like, no, like, uh, she needs to go down. Yeah, uh, she's crazy and she needs to put, be put down. <laughs> it's so funny. They're talking about this, like, deranged 14-year-old girl who's just so, so psychotic and powerful at the same time. Exactly, exactly. And I really thought this was funny here because like, uh, yeah, I don't know if you ever got in a fight with your sister, but I used to like antagonize her a bunch. And so we get into arguments and I could just never imagine anyone in my family being like, no, you have full right to just like kick her ass. Uh, yeah, no, no. It's very sexist mentality. But hey, in the Avatar world, women are as powerful as men, if not more powerful, because I, <laughs> I've had beefs with my sister in the past, too. And yeah, I never had any family members saying, nope, you have full, <laughs> full right to do what you want here. You Usually it's the opposite. It's like, I'm the one who's usually considered at fault, which is fair. Which is fair. I ain't mad. Yeah, no, that's fair. But here, Azul is definitely the antagonist here. Uh, you know, they decide that they're going to go and they're going to learn some more um, advanced firebending moves. So it seems like we have both the A story and the B story learning some more techniques uh, in before, their respective before, bendings. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then before we get too far ahead... We should talk about Zuko's tea that he makes for Iroh. What did you oh, yeah. <laughs> so Zuko makes Iroh a tasty tea that he thoroughly enjoys. No, I'm just kidding. Iroh, Iroh takes one sip and then like dumps the rest out the window. And I thought that was great to include in that regard. Yeah, that, that is funny. I don't really know how you can mess up tea. Like assuming that you have the right plant to start with. Uh, it's just boiling water. Like, it's not that hard. I don't know. True. I wonder if he oversteeped it. That's the yeah. only thing that he could have done. Because you're right. How can you mess up tea? I mean, tea is a very easy thing to make. I don't, I don't think I've ever messed up a cup of tea before myself. It's very easy. I will say I have messed up a cup of tea. Uh, one oh, time I, I was trying to mix two tea blends because I didn't have enough of one. And it made the drink taste awful. Uh, like, it was so bad that you could not drink it. So... Um, I guess maybe that's what Zuko did. He, he like tried to spice things up a little bit, threw a little bit of this one, threw a little bit of that one. And all together, he got something disgusting. So wait, you weren't using tea bags or you use like two different tea bags? No, I was using like loose tea. My mom's like really into that sort of thing. Oh, nice. Nice. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Well, yeah. The more you know. Oh yeah. We're, we're out here with the fancy tea. That's oh, uh, my bad. My bad. Jacob's going all bougie on us. <laughs> hey, that's the, that's the one thing that we'd stay bougie on is get that tea, get that fancy tea. Oh, sip that tea. Okay. Well, <laughs> exactly. well, well, we'll continue here. So, so Toph is just, Toph's teaching Aang and Aang and Toph, they're just, isn't that they're not vibing here. Aang's still struggling, learning how to earthbend. And then Katara pulls Toph to the side and tells Toph that like Aang needs some positive affirmation, basically. Yeah, I think that here is a really good explanation of the difference between an earthbender and an airbender. Uh, like Aang is trying to approach it from like a clever, uh, like different angle. He's trying to find the unique solution. And Toph's just like, no, go head on, even quite literally uh, breaking a rock with her head. This really does contrast the two types of bending. And then I also think that it contrasts like Toph and Aang as characters because Aang does need that positive reinforcement. Uh, and he needs more of a gentle nudge, as Katara calls it, which I think Toph takes a little bit too literally. 
yeah yeah she does <laughs> she does and i like how she's like you can't approach her no trickety trick i was like oh crap toff's just spitting bars now <laughs> <laughs> trickety trick that's quite the line uh yeah, yeah next time next time i'm in a place where i'm you know trying to seem cool i'll pull out the trickety trick Next time you're just tricking out in the streets of Chicago, you can pull out the trickety trick. <laughs> the trickety trick, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so uh, then the next thing we see is like a bunch of different activities. It's kind of like a montage. We get yeah. like Aang carrying a boulder on his back. He's punching a rock. He's trying to balance on some columns. Uh, all the while, Toph is like kind of antagonizing him, yelling at him, telling him to be rock-like, throwing stuff at him. Classic training stuff. True, it's like a Rocky S training montage. Anything stick out to you in this montage? I liked how when she Toph stole Sokka's boomerang and the shot opens and it's just like Sokka's head being pushed by like Toph's hand. And then Sokka just gives up and then Aang takes the boomerang and starts playing like whack a rock with it pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that uh, Sokka should have been able to get it. You know, he's got like four to six inches of like arm reach on her and he and he couldn't get to it so that's a little sad the thing that really (laughs) sticks out to me is that the blind girl has eye slits when she makes like a rock (laughs) formation around her and i do not understand this this easily is the biggest goof in the entire series i do not understand and no one's been able to explain it to me yeah, I can't explain it either, but maybe Toph just likes it for the aesthetic. Maybe she thinks it just looks cool. And maybe she's like going to teach Aang that trick eventually. And she wants Aang to have the eye slits and know how to do it like that. I don't know. I don't know Is why. Is there she's- some risk that Aang would forget that he has eyes? Like, would he forget? <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like Aang could just adapt it. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there's no explanation for this. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Hey, and then. I- I think okay, if you're dude. right, then uh, then Toph really does not believe in Aang here. I mean, maybe she doesn't. But then Aang starts progressively improving as the montage goes on. Because the last workout is like Aang with like a stone kettlebell. And he's on top of like two p- columns of rock. And then and then at one point, um, Toph shoots like a rock blast and like breaks both columns. And Aang is able to stay standing. And man, Aang must be effing yoked if he can... <laughs> Pardon, pardon my language. If he's able to like lift this stone kettlebell, did you see like the workout he was doing here? Aang must be jacked because that's that look thing looked pretty heavy, and he wasn't using air bending. I I paid it. I've watched this episode four times for this podcast, so I paid attention to this scene, and he's not using air bending to lift up the rock. So part of my language, but Aang's like exercise got me hyped. Honestly, Aang must be swole. <laughs> no, I mean you're totally right. It's something about his like diet or something because yeah. I could not do that. You know, I'm like like almost a decade older than Aang, and I would not stand a chance at even doing the like throwing the kettlebell and catching it thing. Uh, yeah. he's definitely he's definitely very strong. You're totally right here. No, I was just I was just so shocked. Shout out to my swole friend Pat. He'd love this seed, and he started his own podcast actually, Natty News. So y'all should go check that out with Pat and his buddy Anwar. They do a great job talking about exercise and diet. So I'll shout nice. out Pat because he's written in feedback before. He's my homie, so I'll give him that ang in there bump. Why not? Yeah, Pat is a good friend of the pod. Uh, definitely, I should listen to that podcast, and maybe I could do the same uh, workout that Ang's doing here. Yeah, they're really good. Like they're and they're really helpful to like new people trying to get into exercising. Because like spoiler alert, I'm like one of the most out of shape individuals on the planet, and I I still get a kick out of listening to their podcast. But yeah, Sweet. We'll, 
we'll continue here. So then Sock is trying to hunt this baby saber-toothed moose lion. <laughs> and he's trying yeah. to launch this sneak attack. So he's on the tree. <laughs> what did you think of Sokka's initial attempt at catching this thing? Do you think it was smart? Well, I think that Sokka could use Pat's advice here because Sokka's just not <laughs> able to do anything here. He, he's trying to, like, sneak attack this little saber-toothed moose lion cub. And I think that, like, it kind of makes sense to jump out of the tree. But at, at the same point, like, I think you could just, like, throw your boomerang at it. It's small enough. Like, you probably could just stun it. Like, I don't think you need the sneak attack part of it. Um, but we see he like jumps down and instead of like delivering, a like a, a hit to the thing, um, instead he falls through a little crack in the ground and becomes buried up to his waist, uh, and is not able to get out. Yeah. And the thing is, Sokka's from the Southern Water Tribe. Why not set a trap? Like th- that's, that's what I was thinking. He could just set a trap for this little thing, just have it in a net and just take it back to camp. Yeah. You would think that maybe he's only used to like ice traps or something. It's I guess maybe he would have fallen through the ice if this was in the Southern Water Tribe. <laughs> That's not much better. Um, but yeah, so Sokka then gets like stuck here. And yeah, he probably should have used a trap. The other thing is that this is a very small animal. We're talking like a small house cat size, if not yes. smaller. Like, what kind of meat are you getting off this animal? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm like trying not to judge him too hard, but this is like a snack at best. Yeah, I think Sokka is just happy to get any meat at all. I don't think they're eating too much meat on their travels unless they're in one of these villages where the villagers are just providing them food or like when they're visiting the Earth King and the Earth King's just giving them a feast. So yeah, I think Sokka just hasn't had meat in a while and he's willing to take what he can get. Well, he's going to be trapped in a hole uh, for his, <laughs> his uh, I guess, crime against this saber-toothed moose cub. Um, yeah, so he's going to be stuck there for a while. Meanwhile, we get Iroh explaining to Zuko the difference between fire and lightning. Uh, this was kind of interesting. You know, he calls lightning the cold-blooded fire. He says that it's like, um, you know, it's, it's essentially fire, like without aggression. I think that's interesting. I've never really thought about lightning in that way, but it, it is accurate. Like it, it does, it does kind of make sense. It does feel like the cold light, uh, the cold fire. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have that in my notes as well. Cold-blooded fire. And it's just, it's a cool description of lightning, to be honest. It's just like, makes lightning sound that much more epic. Yeah, exactly. And I think that here Iroh saying that like lightning is positive and negative energy coming together, essentially making Iroh just Duracell or like uh, Energizer. <laughs> like he's just a battery at this point. I was just a battery that's just large and in charge. Just a bit. I was one of those like hey. huge batteries for like the monster, little baby monster truck things. That's what he is. I heard that joke there, large and in charge. <laughs> Don't think you're about to get away with a pun without me calling it out. You're, that's hilarious. Large and in charge. Oh, oh shucks. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. Uh, but then, yeah, then Iro shoots this huge lightning bolt, much to Zuko's amazement. Yeah, he really uh takes that yin and yang and and uh you know puts it together and uh you know he's able to shoot the lightning. Pretty impressive here. Zuko's like stoked. He's like, "All right, I'm ready to do it." He tries and he fails. He literally just creates an explosion in front of him and he sends himself back as about as fast as Aang did when he was trying to earthbend. Yeah, and this is kind of embarrassing. Just like it exploding in your face. I'd if I'm Zuko, I'd be so disappointed. Then the look on Iroh's face, Iroh just like looks down and like shakes his head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Iroh does look very disappointed here. 
This kind of makes me think, like, what is the process to learn lightning bending in the first place? Because it seems like unless you're getting it perfect, you're going to cause some sort of explosion as, like, the the battery comes together. So, like, it seems like you either get it right the first time or you have to, like, get exploded. Like, it doesn't seem great. You're right, but I think Zuko needs to go to the school of air bending and just like meditate. He's got a lot on his mind. And I feel like, like Ivro was saying, to truly master lightning bending, you have to be at peace with yourself, which Zuko, as we know now, is still dealing with a lot of uh, inner turmoil as they uh, Yes. Uh, Zuko here is like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's definitely like fueled by his rage and aggression, which is what Ira says he can't do. Yes. Um, I know this is skipping to the next scene, but I think it's just so funny that when we get back to Zuko, he's like, everything's blowing up in my face like it always does. And it's just <laughs> like, it's such a brooding thing to say. Like, that's such a, I don't know, teen angst thing. It just captures yeah. like me at 15 so well. And that's why I'm not like, I like Zuko, but I'm not like the biggest Zuko stan because a lot of Zuko's plot is like just teen angst. I think I'm more of a fan of almost <laughs> like season three Zuko. <laughs> like yeah. Season two Zuko's great. Don't get me wrong. I really, I think the B story sometimes upstages the A story. And like Zuko alone is fantastic. One of the best episodes in the series. For sure. But like when Zuko's like this, just like struggling, because Zuko is the worst student ever, to be honest. Like I got to feel bad for Uncle Iroh trying to teach him any technique because he just doesn't learn and just doesn't isn't willing to learn unless he gets it perfectly right away and even at the end of the episode i'll skip even farther ahead where he's just like oh you're not going to teach me you're not going to strike me with lightning well i'll just go do it myself it's like come on i was trying to teach you this badass technique and you can't even just let him like explain to you why he shouldn't shoot you lightning at you like come on zuko i think i expected a little more from zuko here yeah, and it's so weird seeing it in contrast with Aang, who, like, Aang's not being, he's not able to get it either, and Aang decides to reflect, he decides to, like, you know, really try to center himself, try to be positive, and that's just so much better. Like, seeing them together, or, like, seeing them, like, contrasted against each other, it just is so clear why this is the better mindset. Yeah, and Aang, I guess maybe because he's an airbender, he's a much, much better student than Zuko. Even when he's not oh, getting yeah. it right, Aang is still reflect. you said, he's reflecting upon his mistakes, wondering what he did wrong. And uh, yeah. yeah, I guess we should move on to the next scene now because yeah. we skipped pretty far ahead. Yeah, so so we're going to see, like, uh, despite Aang being a good student with a good mentality, he's not able to he's not able to succeed. Uh, Toph decides instead of trying to get him to move rock, he's going to uh, she's going to try to get him to stop a rock. And so she gets a rock at the top of the hill. She's going to send it at him and he's going to have to stop it while it's like barreling towards him. Does this seem like it's going to make sense? Like if I can't lift something, there's no way I'm going to be able to catch it. Yeah, I'd, it doesn't make sense. And what makes less sense is when Katara intervenes asking if this is the best way to teach Aang. Toph's like, no, you're right. And then Toph decides to blindfold Aang, much to <laughs> Aang's chagrin, because Aang's like, thanks, Katara. <laughs> I love his like tone of voice, but he's like, sarcastic Aang is not something we see too often. So I did enjoy that. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Um, but then, yeah, we see that this is not going to be successful. Toph sends the rock down at him. And as the rock gets closer, instead of stopping it, he jumps over it. And uh, it leads Toph to really chew him out, calling him a jelly bone wimp. Uh, Zach, are, are you a jelly bone wimp? Uh, I kind of am. I can't. I can't, I can't. I'd be lying if I said I'm not. I, I avoid physical confrontation. So you can call me a jelly bone wimp and I won't get too offended necessarily. What about yourself, Jacob? Would you get angry if somebody described you as a jelly boned wimp? 
Well, here's the thing is that I think I am one. Uh, that would not <laughs> stop me from getting angry if you said it to me, though. Uh, I, I, I would be a little upset if someone just walks up to me. They're like, hey, jelly bone wimp. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, maybe, lay, <laughs> maybe lay off. Maybe like uh, make fun of the things that I say and not the fact that I can't lift to save my I- life. Jelly is just such a weird word to me because I never refer to jam as jelly. And every time I hear the term jelly, I think of that episode of SpongeBob with like the jellyfish jam Krabby Patty. That's what I always yeah, think of yeah. whenever I hear the term jelly. I just think because that episode, not to go too far down SpongeBob, that's a weird episode of SpongeBob where like where Mr. Krabs is like harvesting these poor jellyfish for their jelly. So that's what I always think of when I think of the term jelly. Yeah, you know, uh, that factory farming's pretty, pretty rough there, but, uh, yeah, Facts. I, I, I don't think that that's what I think of when I think jelly. I think a nice <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. I think some nice, oh, fair, some nice fair. grape, maybe some blackberry even. Ooh, ooh, yeah. maybe some brambleberry too, just ooh, like they talk about in Avatar. The brambleberry bush. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a deep cut. I haven't thought about deep that cut, one in a while. True, deep cut. And the real egg in their fans will know. <laughs> oh man anyway so after that we go back to zuko where he's always uh brooding about his teen angst and here iroh makes a really good point uh he's saying that the difference between pride or the that shame is not the opposite of pride uh which i think is it's a good point you know i do often think that like being shamed and prideful are like different but instead iroh says that uh pride's actually the source of shame and instead it's humility that zuko needs to learn and I got to say, uh, this advice uh, hit different. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, I really should take it to heart. Uh, seeing this made me think, uh oh, uh, time to self-reflect a little bit. So, you know, thank you, Iroh. Yeah, I love the sage poignant advice from Iroh. I think well, like everyone who watches, Ang, uh, um, not Ang in there, everyone who watches Avatar The Last Airbender sees Iroh as like this great uncle slash father figure when he's dropping just little nuggets of wisdom like this. Cause he says pride is not the opposite of shame, but it's source. And that's like some deep, heavy stuff. It reminds me of that quote Marcellus Wallace made from uh, Pulp Fiction where he's like, F pride. It only hurts. It never helps. Yeah. Just some deep, powerful stuff from Iroh here. Yeah, it's uh, that's it's impressive stuff. I I think that that's like uh, you know, you don't come to Avatar hoping that you get some like life changing advice, but you might you might accidentally find it. And that's what we love about this show. You get the comedy, the action, the life changing advice from Iroh. Like, what more could you ask for? Exactly. Um, I guess what Sokka would want to ask for is to get out of the crack that he's in. The next scene that we get is Sokka that's just stuck. He's talking to the Moose Lion. I think he's just like. He's decided uh, he's just going to live there forever. Uh, he says that if he can get out, that he will leave a karmically correct existence where he pledges to be vegetarian forever. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think would be harder for Sokka to become vegetarian or for Aang to become a master earthbender? Oh, easily Sokka becoming vegetarian because instantly, <laughs> and I'm going to skip ahead here, but then Sokka goes on about being karmically correct vegetarian, saying he's going to give up meat and sarcasm. And then when Aang shows up, the first thing Sokka says, he's like, you got any meat? Yeah. <laughs> so he's just lying to this little Musco, but it's funny. But his exactly. karma, his karma does pay off because the little baby cub tries to bring Sokka an apple. 
But sadly, he cannot reach it because he's stuck in the hole. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to see if the moose cub would have brought it just a little bit closer so that Sokka had to like eat it with his mouth um, like <laughs> only because he doesn't have any access to his hands. And so he'd have to just like go face first as, as if he was like bobbing for apples. Have you ever done that, by the way? I don't think maybe when I was really young, but I, I've, I feel like I've seen people bobbing for apples, but I don't think I've ever done it myself. How about you? I feel like you have. I, I have. We had like a school fair in fifth or sixth grade and I was pretty good at it. Um, oh, I was nice. like, yeah, I was able, cause they, they put it in ice water. So like people were uncomfortable, but if you just get over that and you just go for like one solid bite, I feel like, uh, yeah, anyone can do it well. Yeah. I feel like I'd be good at it because my dentist told me I have a huge mouth. So I feel like okay. I'd be, I'd, I'd be able to stretch my jaw out. Maybe we'll, maybe if we ever meet in person and COVID's all done, we'll have a Bob <laughs> and Apple contest. I'm sure that's a very COVID safe activity to be doing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. You sound kind of like a ringer to me. Your dentist is coming out here saying you've got a big <laughs> mouth. I think, I think that your dentist is trying to tell you you should go professional Apple Bob. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe I'll sign up for the big league, start up in the minor leagues, make my way up. Maybe I'll be the Apple Bob at MVP. Who the there you knows? go. Just remember me. Uh, once you really made it, remember where you started. I wonder who is the best Apple Bobber. I wonder what I, the term for them is. I, I mean, wonder if there's a worldwide ranking. There's no way. There's got to be like a Guinness <laughs> wor- uh, world record for it because like there's records for everything. Um but I, there's no way there's like a competition each year. Like no one's going to watch that the same. I guess. I don't know. Because people watch uh, someone eat hot dogs. So, hey, maybe this is a thing. True. And the hot dog eating competition is nasty. Like I'm not going to get too far into it. But it's like <laughs> kudos to Joey Chesta. But I don't want to watch him like choke down soggy hot dogs. Like it's I, disgusting to watch. I agree with you. But I have to say Joey Chestnut is the best athlete in his sport. Like there's not a <laughs> single person who has, is as comparatively good as Joey Chestnut is at hot dog eating. I guess not. I guess not. I'd have to ruminate on that. So maybe we'll talk after the podcast. I'd have to think about that. Sure. But let, let me just put it out there. Like LeBron is good, but Joey Chestnut is like <laughs> standard deviations better. He's like leaps and bounds, orders of magnitude. I don't like the sport, but he's obviously the best. I guess. I mean, he has like what, like nine world championships or something. So I'm not going to argue with you there. And he like has to break his own world records. Like no one else is even coming close. He's just competing against himself at this point. Man, you're really coming in here stumping for old Joey. (laughs) I I never would have expected that this is what I was going to be stumping for on Saturday morning. True. Yeah, me neither. Well, okay, let's get back to Avatar before I wax poetically about him some more. Uh, Aang and Katara are back. They're trying to learn some water bending. Aang's taking a break from earth bending. Uh, And Katara here is giving some really good advice. You know, Katara is kind of like the assistant coach to Toph's head coach really connecting with the player, um, able to persuade him to decide to, you know, give it another try. Uh, and Aang is able to take this advice. Uh, what do you think about Katara's advice here? Yeah, it's pretty good advice because she he's training waterbending with her. And then Katara's explaining, if fire is opposite of water, then what's the opposite of air? And it's obviously earth. And it's true. See, air. No, you don't think so? I don't. I think it's space. 
Yes. Okay. The the technical. The, I'm I'm talking about air bending versus earth bending. Like oh, yes, the opposite. <laughs> I know Jacob coming in here with your science ahead and all your <laughs> intelligence, but if we're just talking about the show, air bending and earth bending, like you have to, they require two opposing mentalities to be good at yes. either one of them. Yes. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I I guess I accept. You're right. Okay. Oh, there we go. But then, yeah. So it, it, I think this was a good explanation for Katara. And then she launches a little bamboo shoot at him and says, "Think fast." And Ang does this really cool. I like the camera shot here where he does this. It's like Ang's back, and then he launches a wa- piece of water at it and splits it in half. And she tells him, "Like, yeah, you've really you're like you have the reflexes of a true water bending master." And then Ang says, "Thank you, Sifu Katara," which is what she was looking for. Earlier, because Ang did not refer to her as Sifu earlier in the episode. Yeah, uh, I, I'm. I'm not sure that anyone's ever called me like master or like thank you, like oh, oh great teacher or something like that. I, I th- that would be nice. I think I would like if someone like respected me so much in my field, they were like, oh, thank you, Sifu Jacob. Yeah, nobody respects me in anything like that. So I don't think I've ever been referred to so fondly as Sifu or Master in anything. But luckily for Katara, she's such a good uh, waterbending trainer. She gets that title. So well, good for after, her. After you teach me 2K and I can beat all of my friends, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and hit you with that Sifu Zack. I can, I can, I can definitely, I can train anybody to be the best in their friend group. I can definitely do that. Honestly, all right, perfect. <laughs> Uh, Iroh goes back and he's telling Zuko about the four different nations. And this is really good content. This is like, I I actually think that this would be very useful in like the first episode or like the first few episodes. Yes. Because he really does break down the four nations. He says like, you know, this is what the four nations are about. And I really think that together you get a good understanding of the differences between them. Um, yeah, so to just br- break it down simply, he says the Fire Nation uh, is about power and desire. The Earth Kingdom is about diversity and endurance. The Air Nomads are about freedom from worldly concerns. And he adds in they have a good sense of humor, which I appreciate. Uh, and then he says that the Water Tribes are about love and community in the face of change. And here together, you get a really good picture of understanding the four different nations and what they're about. Yeah, and to summarize it up, he gives a, a like one word description for each of them at the beginning. So he says, fire is the element of power, earth is the element of substance, air is the element of freedom, and water is the element of change. And like, I don't know if I would have, he was able to so concisely boil it down. I don't know if I would have been able to do this, but kudos to Iroh just explaining it in such great terms for us like brainlets to understand. <laughs> exactly. This is kind of what we were trying to do with like the T Quartet, like showing the different nations. But honestly, we should just play this clip every episode of uh, of Iroh explaining the different groups. One thing that I think is very impressive here is that in sand with a stick, he's able to perfectly draw every single element and every single uh, like, you know, different symbol and then put them all in a perfect circle. Uh, this this would put my art skills to shame. I can't draw a straight line to save my life. No, and Iroh must have gone to, like, firebending art school or something. He must have had, like, a master's <laughs> art, a master's in art or something. Because, yeah. yeah, he's able to draw everything perfectly with a stick in sand. Yeah, he's definitely got his MFA, uh, Master of Fine Arts in uh, sand drawing <laughs> or something, something <laughs> like that. This kind of reminds me of, like, people, like... Uh, Sometimes you'll see like people on the street that are just like making like quick little art and like it looks so simple, but then they put it all together and it's like a really pretty piece of art. 
Um, one time I was in New York and, uh, my sister, like someone drew a picture of her, like on the subway and like, just in like a few stops, it looked like perfect. And I was like, dang, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I remember I had a substitute teacher in my grade 10 auto mechanics class who didn't know anything about auto mechanics. Then he just spent the whole class drawing (laughs) every student and he drew a picture of me. And I was like, wow, this is like, it actually looks like me. That's what kind of shocked me. I have to say that that's odd. Uh, for a teacher to just be drawing the students. Yeah, I mean, hey. I don't know. He, he couldn't teach the class. So then we were all just like, he was like, I like to draw. Would anyone like a self portrait? And we were all like, sure. We didn't mind. I, yeah. I liked it because I hated that class. I thought I was so crap at auto mechanics. I just knew nothing about like pistons and cars and stuff. So I liked the change of pace myself. So uh, let, let's go into this auto mechanics class because I've got some questions. Were you actually doing work on cars or you're learning like the theory of like, oh, this is like brake fluid? We did some work on cars, but very little, honestly. And and on the work on cars, like I assume that you're not getting paid for it. So it's just like someone is just getting free work from students. No, they had like these stock, like broken down cars that we just yeah. worked on. They had like a workshop for them. Yeah. I was only at that school for one year and then I switched back to my old school. And 10th grade was a weird time. I transferred schools and then I went from being like a bench player on the basketball team to being the second best player, but at a horrible school. So <laughs> it was an interesting year for sure. Nice. Would you rather be uh, a big fish in a small pond or small fish in a big pond ah that's a good tough question for basketball i per- actually preferred being the small fish in a big pond but really? in overall in life yeah because we were sh- we were crap i was about to use a no-no word we were not a good team <laughs> if i'm the second best player on a team that's a very bad team see but yeah. i think that it'd be fun if you're getting like more playing time like you're getting in the game at least yeah, you're getting to practice you're right, but it's not fun when you're losing every game. And we lost a lot. Like, I, yeah, I had a good, like, I scored 28 one game. That's my career nice. high in high school, but it wasn't fun. Like, I had 20 in the first half, but it wasn't like fun. that game we won, but the games, it was, uh, the losses hurt more than the wins, to be honest. The more than I appreciated the wins, the losses just hurt more. Yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying there. You know, I played some intramural sports in, uh, in college and like there are some where we just like absolutely be trash. Like we're going to lose the game. Like we have absolutely no shot. And I felt like those are actually the most fun. Cause like I know that there's nothing I'm competing for. Like I'm just trying to have a good time. I'm just trying to make like a good play or improve. And I wasn't too worried about the dub. True. If I played in, if I went to college or if I played any sports now, I don't mind losing. But back in high school, I was just an uber competitive guy. I hated that's, losing that's so true. much. So I, I play some basketball with some friends at, uh, at work and I'm so bad. Uh, really? Like, I, I'm not very good. And I apparently have a Redmond curse where any team I'm on will lose. And that even <laughs> includes if I'm just like the seventh person in a three on three and I'm subbing, my team will still lose. Damn, I, that's something I could help you with if I ever come to Chicago. Because I've coached basketball before. That I could, two K aside, I could help you improve as a. If you're a natural athlete, I can help you improve as a basketball player. Because mm, I'm not I'm so skilled sure about- enough. I'm not athletic naturally, but then because I've been playing basketball from such a young age, I could help you with that. But I think we've <laughs> we went very deep into the sports here, here, world I, I talk. Got, I got the uh, I got the transition ready. So just oh, okay. like uh, you're going to be able to help me learn, Ira says that he was able to learn from other elements to make his own bending better. Ooh, nice, nice. Yeah, My apologies. Go. That's a, Jacob. You've been on point in your transitions today, and I apologize to all the fans who are not fans of sports. Sorry, I know a little bit too much sports ball talk. 
That's all right. You know, uh, next week we're talking about library, uh, the, the library episode. No sports talk there. It's just going to be about books. Uh, essentially, it's going to be like a book club. So get ready. True. Facts. I'm excited for that. But then, yeah, Iroh says he learned this technique from the waterbenders and then he'll reveal it to be redirecting lightning. How did he learn this from the waterbenders is my question. Um, I think it's kind of like, you know, that sort of flow where like things go in and out. I, I don't really know. I'm not yeah, sure. That, that, I didn't understand that, to be honest. But, hey, Iroh's just on another plane of existence compared yeah, to us, yeah. like fair, normies. Fair, so. fair enough. Uh, next thing we see is Toph, who's just now rubbing it into Aang that Aang's not able to uh, to do this earthbending thing. She takes his staff and and uses it as a nutcracker, essentially just like taking it, uh, smashing some nuts in his face, making him very upset. Um, Aang's just doing nothing, um, just kind of taking it, I guess, too passive. And Katara comes and is a little bit worried that Sokka's not gotten back because it's sunset. So they all decide to go search for Sokka. Before we go too far ahead, I just want to say, so, uh, Toph takes Aang's bag of nuts. And one thing I like is like Aang's bag of nuts has a little draw, a little like stick drawing of Aang on it. And I thought that little drawing was pretty hilarious. And then, yeah, she takes his staff and Aang's like, it's an antique made by the monks. And he like, and then she's like, cracks it. I really like the sound cues in this scene as well. It was pretty good. Yeah. I agree. Uh, meanwhile, Sokka is still just in the hole. This is where he says he's going to give up meat and sarcasm, essentially reducing him to a bland character with nothing. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, Aang shows up. The first thing he asks for is some meat. Um, sadly, Aang the vegetarian does not carry beef jerky in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> if only he had Katara's seal jerky from episode one or that or that piece of fish that she keeps. <laughs> that what a well, callback. Yeah, I mean, we, you've called back to it many times, but I've yeah, forgotten just, about that, Zach. Really? You're the one who always calls back to it, but we'll call back I, to it once I, again. I guess I'm just rusty. I forgot about that. That's a per, this is a perfect moment for the fish that Katara carries in her pocket all the time. Wow. Thank was you so fish? much. Was it fish? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was like a small little fish that she threw at the penguins in the first episode. Oh, there we go. Pocket we salmon go. or something like pocket that. Sa- pocket, pocket salmon. There we go. Her pocket fish. Oh my gosh, Zach, I can't believe I almost forgot it. Thank goodness you're here. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's what I'm here for. Just the random <laughs> callbacks. Just bringing us off topic per usual. Honestly, that's what I'm few, here for. Few people have mastered the art of the callback. You know, it's a, it's a lost art, but Zach here has got it right here. Sifu Zach with the callback. Oh, oh, shucks. Well, look at that. I've already been upgraded to seafood. So then we, <laughs> we, we, we cut to Aang and my transitions are not uh, on point as Jacob's, but we cut to Aang here opening up to Sokka. He's just saying how it would just be really uncomfortable for him to get Sokka out of the hole. And Sokka, this, <laughs> Sokka, this, I like Sokka this scene because he's incredulous the whole time. He's like, yep. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know how you're feeling. Like all the while being stuck in the hole and Aang not being able to get him out. So this was a really fun scene. Yeah, th- this was funny. There's lots of like jokes that uh, they're making the whole time. Like, uh, Aang's like, I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. And Sokka's like, uh huh, I couldn't imagine it. <laughs> uh, yeah, good stuff from Sokka here. This is a good Sokka episode, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is a good Sokka episode. You know, it's kind of sad that Sokka's good episode includes him uh, literally stuck doing nothing, but he's at least coming with the jokes. Um, Sokka yeah, also introduces mm-hmm. Aang to Fufu Cuddly Poops, which is the name that he's given to the saber-toothed moose lion cub. 
Yeah, and I guess if he's naming it at that point, he's resigned to the fact that he's not going to eat it because I don't think I could eat something that I've named Foo Foo Cuddly Poops myself. Uh, yeah, like definitely because it's not appetizing to eat something cuddly poops. Like, no thanks. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm here for sanitary food only. Oh, true. I didn't even think of that. Look at that, <laughs> Jacob. No E. coli in your future. Nope, no E. coli for me. Uh, Aang here then asks if the saber-toothed moose lion cub has lost their mom, and just then, the gigantic version of this little animal arrives with horns and with saber teeth. Uh, really quite the intimidating creature. Yeah, pretty terrifying, honestly. I don't got yeah. much else to say besides I wouldn't want to run into one of those in real life. It's like... 20 feet tall, too. <laughs> it's tall. Uh, yeah. No, th- this thing is, like, massive. You know, I was saying the, the cub is like a little house cat. This thing is like an elephant. Uh, it's yeah, gigantic. Yeah. It's actually a little surprising that the cubs are ever so small. Like, they just must pop out so easily in birth. It's just like, bloop. Like, it's just so small. <laughs> bloop. I like that sound effect. So, the, <laughs> so then we we cut back to Zuko and Iroh, and, Iroh, and uh, Iroh's teaching Zuko how to redirect lightning. And he says, so you bring it down into your stomach because your stomach is a source of energy. It's like, Or your stomach is like a source of energy. It has like a sea of chi. But in his case, it's like a vast ocean. And I like how Iroh laughs at his own joke that you cut to Zuko and Zuko just like stone faces it. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the type of joke that you'd expect to hear in like college stand up it's like oh like you know they say that i've got like a, or your stomach's the sea of uh whatever i've got the whole ocean and then like uh like one person laughs everyone else is quiet yeah but iroh doesn't care he makes the jokes for himself oh yeah it reminds me oh, of uh, sure. the last episode we covered or one of the last episodes we covered where azula is um making a joke to ang and she's like come on you can laugh when she does the impression of uh zuko i thought that was pretty funny too yeah, you know, this scene. is this is a whole family of people who are, are full <laughs> of comedians and they only make themselves laugh, apparently. <laughs> yeah, hey, true. That's actually exactly how I am. You know, I make a ton of jokes I f- find hilarious. Uh, other people don't find them funny and whatever. Like, that's their loss. I know I'm funny. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I make a lot of jokes that only I laugh at, but I don't care. I know, I mean, people listen to our podcast and I think but we're both pretty funny guys. I think so. I think that's Ooh, a fair, fair go- thing to say. Go ahead and pat myself on the back a little bit there. Thank you, Zach. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, So then we'll continue here. So Iroh says the stomach detour is critical because you don't want the lightning to pass through your heart. And then Iroh does the wave and tells Zuko to feel the flow. (laughs) It's weird seeing like a modern dance move in Avatar, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. Is there a better organ that this could go through? Like, I know that Iroh really appreciates his food. Like, is he is he worried that he might mess up his stomach? Like, should this go through one of your kidneys? Like, you got two. Why not have it go through one of them? I guess. I don't know. But then what if, uh, like, I don't know, maybe it messes up your kidneys more than it messes up your stomach. I understand why. I understand why they don't go for the heart because a bolt of lightning can, like, stop your heart. So that makes sense. But, yeah, I don't know if there's a better organ. I guess not. I guess this side. I don't know if he's when he says stomach, he refers to, like, his whole belly or he just means, like, the actual stomach organ. Mm. I don't know. I took this very literally because I was thinking, like, maybe the uh, gallbladder. You don't need that. Maybe the appendix. Ooh, the appendix would be a good one, even if it just fries up. Like, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's actually why we used to have an appendix is that we used to all be firebenders and used to be able to 
had this like uh, organ that lightning could go through, but no more. If only, if only. Do, <laughs> so, we, do we actually know what the appendix did? I'm sure someone does. Uh, yeah, I bet Daniel will know for sure. So yeah. small, one of our smart listeners can write in and explain what the appendix used to do. That that would be very helpful because uh, I'm actually I'm not totally sure, and probably Zach, uh, you you don't know either. Nope, nope. I don't know a lot of things, and that's one of the many things I do not know. That's fair. but then. So Zuko wants Iroh to shoot lightning at him, and Iroh's incredulous, and he's like, I'm not going to shoot lightning at you. That's dangerous. You should only use this technique if you absolutely have to. And this is where Zuko's like, well, then I'll find my own lightning, and he rides away on his ostrich horse Which that is he just, stole. It's just like one of the most brooding things ever to be like, I'll find my own lightning. It's like, all right, dude, like, calm, calm it down. Um, yeah. Like, Iroh's totally right here saying that, Hopefully you never have to use this technique. Like it is dangerous. You shouldn't be trying to do this. And Zuko's like, you know what? If you won't do this, I'll find someone who can. Yeah, pretty much. You summed it, you summed it up quite well. I mean, the thing with Zuko, it's like, Iroh is the best teacher you can have. Like, <laughs> you should yeah. listen to him. Iroh is like one of the best firebenders to ever exist. He's the one, I think he's the only firebender who actually like passes over to the spirit world. I don't think any other firebenders do that. So it's like, he's one of the most powerful firebenders in history and you have this like great resource and you're not listening to him. Like, come on, Zuko. Yeah, it's, it's rough out here. You know, it's hard to take advice sometimes when you need it, but um what can you do the next thing that we get back to is the huge saber tooth moose lion uh the big old mama running at ang and Sokka. ang at first is trying to like get around the beast he's trying to distract it all of these things are leaving Sokka vulnerable and they're just like an airbender would do you know they're typical distract and evade techniques it's the stuff that we've loved ang doing before like every time he does this in a fight we're like oh that was so cool like he's using airbending so clever here but here it isn't gonna work the mom is just head uh, is he- going head on always attacking Sokka and Aang realizes that he can't do this like an airbender he's gotta act like an earthbender yep yep and then he so what he does ends up doing the he he hits at first he hits it with like an airbending tackle is what he does and then he decides to stand his ground and then he airbends a blast directly at the moose lion right he's it's like playing like chicken with a car except instead of like running away from the car you hit it with an airbending blast is essentially what <laughs> ang does here and then so toffs toffs in the background she just starts a slow clap that's what she does she's like you stood up to a crazy beast and then oh well, no for, before she says that she starts a slow clap and they're like oh you were there the whole time and she's like yeah and then ang is like she starts using ang's staff again and then ang is like enough i want my staff back and then toffs like bravo you stood up to this crazy beast and even more impressive you stood up to me what's more impressive standing up to this saber tooth moose lion or standing up to toff that's my question to you jake it has, the, it has to oh, be standing it, up to the saber-toothed moose line. I agree. Yeah, because with Toph, like, you know, you could talk it out. Like, you could yeah, communicate with her. Like, she's also, like, a 14-year-old or, like, even younger, right? Like, 12-year-old girl. Like, uh, like yes, she can earthbend, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, you can talk some reason into her. The saber-toothed moose lion, like, no, you literally have to beat it. And if you could, like, if Aang was not a bender here, there's no chance that he could beat uh, the Sabertooth Moose Lion. He could still grab a staff from Toph. 
Yeah, I know we've been we've been gassing ourselves up and patting each other on the back on on this podcast today, but Toff's hubris here was a little much for me because I completely agree with you. The standing up to the saber tooth moose lion was much more impressive than standing up to Toph. But, exactly. Oh well. Yeah, but then uh Aang, you know, is able to uh you know stand his ground. Toffin says to stand up and move some rock. Aang is able to successfully earthbend, and Toph calls him a true earthbender. Um, Aang then tries to get Sokka out of the crack, but Toph's like, no, nah, let's not do it. You might crush him. Uh, great call here. I would also not trust Aang, who's just learning. Yeah, no, that's smart. And then I like how she unceremoniously gets him out of the hole. She like just stomps, pulls him up, and then just like gr- drags him by his hair out of the hole. <laughs> Poor Sokka. Rough episode for him. Yeah. Because then before... Oh, continue. I was going to say, this is like another time where it's going to hurt pretty bad because he isn't even able to brace his uh, fall. So he just kind of hits himself in the face. And he must be so like his limbs must be so like cramped and loose from being stuck in the hole all day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hopefully he's not claustrophobic. Yeah, hope hope not. So then the final scene of the episode, we have Sokka. He's explaining to Katara. He's like, man, living in that hole or being in that hole the whole day, not knowing if I would live or die, it makes a man think about what's really important. And as Sokka is about to say something poignant for the first time ever, Aang cuts <laughs> him off and is like, hey, look what I can do. <laughs> and then shoots this rock, shoots a huge or earth bends a huge boulder, which admittedly was pretty dope. But like, I feel bad for Sokka. I wonder what he was going to say here. Yeah, you know, maybe he was going to, like, write off sexism for the rest of his life. Uh, oh, interesting. Maybe he was going to, like, have some philanthropy. He was going to give back to the community. Uh, he was going to, like, try to go and teach some kids some, I don't know, boomerang stuff. I don't know. But we'll never know. We'll never know. That's lost to us forever. Lost to us forever. Just like Zuko being lost atop this cliff. <laughs> Look at that. Look at my child. I learned from the best of them. Oh, I learned man. from Seafood Jacob how to transition. You're killing it out here. Yeah. So yeah. Zuko is up at the top of the cliff uh, while a thunderstorm's going on, lightning all over his head, and he's just screaming at the uh, the clouds to hit him with lightning. He's saying that they've never held back before and that he just wants to be hit by lightning so badly um, the storm's not going to give it to him, I guess. Uh, and he just falls to his knees in tears and gives out a big yell. Yeah, like tears streaming down his face, the music swelling. See, this like makes up for the teen angst because this is a very powerful scene, honestly. Yeah. So makes up from the teen angst from earlier. Yeah, I, I agree. Ben wrote in and said that the ending of this episode gave him chills. I totally agree. Like yeah. this, this episode really does end quite well. Oftentimes, the Avatar episodes end on a bad note. I've noticed this like a lot while rewatching it is that they don't end off like happy. They end off with like the fire nation, like finding some like blend or like uh, people like, uh, you know, planning an attack or even this episode with Zuko upset. But this one really hits very well. And I feel like this, this is like, um, yeah, this is a great ending to the episode and maybe I'm just emotional, but I was tearing up a bit. No, no, it's, it's right. You're right to tear up to a scene like this. Honestly, this really makes you feel for Zuko and his pain, his struggle, what he's going through, because he, not only will he never be able to master lightning bending if he can't conquer his inner turmoil, but he'll never be able to live at peace if he's unable to conquer it. So you really feel for his struggle here. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, very sad episode from Zuko. Uh, you know, you really wish well for him. 
Um, but that's the episode for you. That is bitter work. Uh, not too bitter to recap. I had a great time <laughs> here. Um, what are your thoughts on the episode, Zach? Yeah, it's a good episode. I like the contrasting teaching styles and the stu- and the contrasting learning styles of Aang and Zuko, respectively. I like. I, I, I'm a big fan of coaches in all sports, so I, I, I like seeing like people coach and be taught things. I think it's always fun to watch, and yeah, I enjoyed this episode. Who's the best coach in your opinion? Um, like outside of Avatar. Hmm. I see. It's tough. I'll say bas- I'm going to go basketball. You can bring another sport in, but Greg Popovich to me is like mm, the all time yeah. best coach. He just, he's adapted his style so many times in bas- it's Greg Popovich coach of the San Antonio Spurs. What about yourself, Jacob? Who's your, who's the best coach of all time? You can bring in any sport. I'm just so familiar with basketball. I'm not familiar with like baseball managers or anything. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying like to think that. if baseball managers, the problem is, is that like the managers are kind of just there to like get the, the personalities right in the flow. Like there's so many hitting coaches and pitching coaches that giving credit to a manager seems a bit rough. I think Bill I might have Belichick. to go with Coach Saban, uh, oh, Nick Saban. Okay. Okay. You know, he's college. dealing with these college kids. He only gets them for a few years and he's able to do well. I'm not a huge fan of college football, but hey, it's impressive. Yeah, that's fair. Well, on that note, should we dive into our episode rankings? Let's go for it. Uh, I have to say, just talking through this episode with you has made me like it a bit more. Uh, originally, I was going to give this episode uh, a 2.6 out of Holy, 4 cabbages. Really? That's low. I know. I know. But I'm actually going to give it a 3. I think this is a passable episode. It's getting a C Maybe even a C plus for me, but not that much better. So it is going to be three out of four cabbages from me. I'm a I'm a big, I'm way higher on this episode. I'm gonna give it a three point four out of four. I, I like it would be nice if they had like a climatic fight scene like we get in a lot of these episodes. But hey, I still enjoyed it overall, and I also <laughs> watched it four times for the podcast. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, definitely watching it uh, a bunch of times would probably make me like it um, even more. Like, I do think that the more I'm reflecting on this episode, the more I am liking it. So, you know, maybe if you were to ask me after I watch it like two or three more times, I'd like it more. But hey, um, yeah, th- this is where I am right now. If you could stall for just a second, I forgot to calculate the listener ranking. So if we, if uh, no worries, if I'll, I'll do some plugs so you can. F- no, instead of well, <laughs> instead of waxing body, you can follow us on Twitter at JK Redman and at Zach Muhammad thirty two and. Give us some five stars reviews. Postshowrecaps.com slash ATLA should bring you to our updated podcast feed. Should have all the most recent episodes. And yeah, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We love that stuff and we appreciate all the support. All right. Thank you, Zach. Uh, that was perfect. And also, yeah, smash those five stars. The listeners are just where you are at a 3.36. Um, so pretty good episode from the listeners that puts the entire ranking at a 3.25. Not too bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. No. You know, you'll take it a 3.25. That's a good episode. Well, there's no battles and no T quartet. So are, are we done here? What do we got? Uh, I think we do have one piece of listener feedback and we also have a bit of avatar news to get into. Uh, oh yeah, discuss. true. You're no, you're absolutely right. That our new, we're going to debut a new segment here called avatar news where we dive into the news in the avatar world. Cause there's always like little bits and nuggets of news from avatar. So let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, uh, you know, we had that Netflix series. We had the creators get booted, but thankfully Nickelodeon was not going to stand for it. Uh, the Avatar, the last airbender 
will be coming to uh, Nickelodeon. They're going to be having a um, an Avatar Studios. This Avatar Studios is going to have at least one uh, animated film uh, and as well as a TV show coming out soon. And the creators are involved. So that's very exciting. Yeah. And I have a question for you. Do you think they're going to just make a new series with a new bender? So it's going to be like after Korra. Do you think that's what it's going to be? And in that case, would it be like Avatar in the modern world? That's going to be weird. Like, cause Korra takes place in like the 1920s or 30s, respectively, right? It's like if we're comparing yeah. it to our world. So would it be like a new Avatar in like the 2000s? That would be so weird. Yeah, I, I don't know. My guess is that we're not going to see the Avatar walking around with an iPhone or anything like I kinda that. Wanna, I kind of want to see that now, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I want to see what they did. Because I li- like, Korra, I think, falls off because they run out of funding. And then they focus too much on, like, Korra's relationships, I thought. Like, the Korra and, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Not Bolin, but Bolin. Korra and Mako. They focus on the Korra and Asami. But I enjoyed Legend of, like, season one and season three of Legend of Korra were amazing. So... If they have a new Avatar series in our world, then I don't know if I'd hate it, to be honest. As long as the creators are involved, I'm sure they'll make some magic happen. Yeah, you know, I think they might go backwards. I think we might be seeing, like, Avatar the first airbender. Um, oh, so uh, what's his name again? We've seen him in Korra. So not to spoil Korra for anybody, but we've seen the first Avatar yeah, I before. I, I can't remember the first Avatar. When? Wait, no. Juan? Juan? Juan, maybe something I'm not like sure. Yeah. I'm not I, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, please, please come for me. My mentions, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that we might get something like that. I think we might get go back further in history. You know, we do have the Kyoshi novels, and we have some uh, yes. like comics about like Roku and some stuff between Avatar, but we don't have a ton going further back. And I feel like there's a lot that we could explore back there. So I think that that's might that might be where we're going. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't mind a Kyoshi live action series as well, though I'd hope that would be on like HBO Max or something. If they did some, <laughs> no, cause then there's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to spoil it, but there's a lot of mature scene. There's no like, there's no NSFW scenes necessarily. Sure. A lot of like kill, there's killing and stuff. There's like people yeah. getting just straight up bodied. So <laughs> I hope they don't try to like kidify that up like they did with that scene where Azula just obliterates a man. Uh, yeah, my guess is that they're probably not going on HBO Max, but hey, I would be there for it. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, we've been talking about how often these Avatar characters would be dead if they were in an HBO Max or like Walking Dead type world. Uh, I'd love to see it, but yeah, so that's the Avatar news we have. Uh, it's super exciting to know that the, the series that we both love so much is still having new stuff come out about it, uh, especially if the creators are involved. I have lots of faith that it'll be done well, so that's exciting. And we'll check back next week with any Avatar news. Yeah, and feel free to send in, what's our email again? Avatar, Avatar. at Show Recaps? Avatar at PostShowRecaps.com is where you can leave your feedback. Please do write in with your rankings for the episodes. Remember, it's between zero and four cabbages. You can also write in any feedback like Victor did. Uh, Victor actually had a great hypothetical I wanted to tackle with you here before we wrap up, Zach. Uh, he asked, imagine in an Avatar multiverse if we lost Prince Zuko this episode to the lightning. So let's play it out. Spoilers will happen for sure. We're going to spoil season three. Uh, what would happen... Uh, like what would what would Aang even do um, if he I mean, lost? Aang, he probably loses to uh, Ozai, and then the world is probably done. Unless oh Iroh, unless Iroh takes on the mantle of his firebending teacher, that's the only thing that could save him. I don't know. 
You know, uh, I think I have a, a dark horse that I'd like to teach him. You know, you might be oh. thinking, I, I might be thinking John Jong, you know, the deserter who could have been a good teacher, but no, I'm going to go with Che, John John's uh, <laughs> sidekick. That's who I want to teach an Aang. I only know who Che is because of this podcast. If I wasn't <laughs> podcasting about Avatar and you told, like, if you message, if you're like, hey, do you remember Che from the Deserter episode? I'd be like, who the F is Che? I have no you're idea who a, he you're is. You're not a Che fan? <laughs> I mean, I am, I am now because we, I had a lot of fun in that episode talking about Che yeah. and I like him throwing his bombs and stuff. But like prior to, re- I'm just letting you know, prior to rewatching Avatar, I had no idea who Che was. Now, That's I'm, now I'm on the Che bandwagon, but could he de- be a good teacher for a- Aang? I have no idea. Hey, we'll hop on that bandwagon uh, too, because I think Che would be a great teacher. I think uh, Azula would also be very upset if like Zuko got struck down and she wasn't there to do it. I think she'd be like, he died from lightning. Are you kidding me? That's pathetic. I think she'd be a little miffed about that as well. She'd probably just laugh on his grave, though, to be honest. Azula's that savage. I'm yeah. serious. I mean, there's no love lost. Azula doesn't even care about their mom missing. Like, she didn't care about That's when true. Iroh's son died. She did not care. Like, Azula's just an a-hole, to be honest. Now that you make my a- NSW, NSFW language, but. <laughs> you make a good point. And then I think, uh, one last thing that would happen is I think Iroh would just be devastated. I think that. You know, Iroh might just go full out White Lotus and start attacking the Fire Nation and start right now um, creating that rebellion. Because I think without Zuko here, if he gets struck down here, that Iroh would, uh, you know, have no have nothing left in the Fire Nation. He'd be fully, fully on the White Lotus team. Yeah, and I think in that scenario, then Iroh would become Aang's teacher. So maybe with Iroh's tutelage, Aang could learn how to firebend. Yeah, not not like Che. Anyway, that's what we got for you this week. Uh, thank you so much, Victor, for writing in. As always, please write into avatar at postshowrecaps.com and smash those five stars on Apple Podcast. And please leave a review. Uh, Zach, any plugs you got? No, just if you want to write in, you can write in any segments for Avatar news. You can write in any news articles. We'll still be busting out the T-Quartet here and there if you guys send in some good quartets pretty much so yeah. yeah and then we might are we having a guest next week is that the plan or we don't know yet um let's not announce it we we might have a let's guest. let's not announce it we might we may or may let's not hope. have a guest for next week let's hope we do but hey who knows um as for me you can follow me on twitter at jk redmond uh um yeah felipe and i are breaking down scooby-doo movies over on the brazilian dragon podcast with some scooby snacks And uh, May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. This is a cause that is very important to me. Uh, My brother Noah has cystic fibrosis. Um, This is a progressive disease uh, that, like, affects the lungs. It is very uh, important. You know, people do not enjoy staying six feet apart all the time um, during the pandemic, but people with cystic fibrosis have to stay six feet apart from each other all the time. So this is something they sadly have to deal with. Even after COVID is gone, it's very important to me. So I do want to use my platform to say, uh, yeah, know about CF, read about it, you know, donate if you can or want to. Uh, very important to me. Anyway, uh, glad he's yeah, I, no, I did. I did not know your brother had cystic fibrosis, and I'm glad you're using your platform for good here. And I'll definitely do some reading on cystic fibrosis myself. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll put something in the show notes. Uh, you know, just a quick thing of like what CF. I know it's not like super well known, but it it is very near and dear to my heart. So, uh, yeah, there you go.
Yeah, and thank you very much for everyone who supported us with our when we were gone. Shout out to Dan and Sarah, the OP like longtime listeners and stuff. My apologies for the hiatus. So only the true listeners are here. I I, <laughs> I was the reason for the hiatus. I ha- I have bipolar disorder, and I had a couple of uh, hospital visits. One was for a minor manic episode, and the other was for uh, and that's when Jake, uh, Felipe, and Navi filled in for me. And the other one was for a brief bout of insomnia I had, and then. Had to be hospitalized for that because my psychiatrist is kind of not the brightest guy and did not prescribe me a good sleeping pill, sadly. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you to everybody who was so supportive when I was gone. And hopefully we don't go on any more hiatuses every anytime soon because this was so much fun today. Yeah, and I, I love podcasting with Jacob, and I want to continue doing this for a long time. Yeah, th- this was absolutely the best part of my week to podcast with you, Zach. I'm so glad oh, that we're back uh, podcasting together. And yeah, hopefully there's a uh, lot more podcast. We'll be ne- back next week talking about the library episode with an owl, which has really haunted my nightmare. So get excited for that. Yeah, Wanshi Tong scares me too. I've rewatched this episode a lot. I'm very familiar with it. One of my favorite episodes of season two. I love the library aesthetic. I love everything about it. The fox spirits and stuff. Sokka trying to pull a fast one on Wanshi Tong. I'm really <laughs> excited to get into all of it. Yep. Uh, anyway, check back with us next week for that episode. Until then, thank you so much for listening to us. See you next time. See you next time. Peace out, guys. for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.